0: Welcome to the Arab Digest podcast. I'm William Law, editor of the Digest, and my guest today is Dr. Ali Bakir. He's a research assistant professor at the Idna Haldun Center for Humanities and Social Sciences at Qatar University in Doha, and a non-resident senior fellow at Washington's Atlantic Council. Ali specializes in geopolitical and security trends in the Middle East, with a focus on, amongst other matters, the foreign policies of GCC countries. Ali, great to have you back at the podcast.
1: It's always good to be with you, Bill. Thank you very much for inviting me.
0: Now, it's a busy week in the world of geopolitics, but let's begin on the sports front. Um, There's been a lot of criticism of Qatar in the run-up to the World Cup, focused mainly on migrant workers and the LGBTQ rights front. What is the mood in Doha about the criticisms that Qatar has been facing?
1: Right. Uh, So, as you uh, know very well, 10 days before the FIFA World Cup kicks off in Doha. And I believe that Qatar will be uh, making history as the first Arab, Middle Eastern and Muslim nation to host this big event. Excitement everywhere. Already 97% of the tickets are sold, according to the organizers, uh, which is quite an indicator. And the Qataris believe that they are uh, quite ready to host this big and global events. So everything seems to be okay, except of the some of the media criticism coming uh, from some European countries. There was quite a reaction, if I may say, from the Qatari officials and also the public concerning these uh, criticisms. Uh, the Emir reacted, uh, Foreign Minister, Deputy Prime Minister, other officials, and also the media as well as the uh, public. They thought, think that this is a kind of uh, orchestrated uh, campaign against their country, regardless of who stands uh, behind it. But they they also believe that uh, it aims to disrupt the FIFA World Cup event and create a kind of a show. They also believe that it reflects a kind of uh, racist behavior, arrogance, and it uh, promotes also hatred. So i think that um, it, this kind of criticism was received uh, negatively in in doha and they have the right to to feel that way they say that uh, if there has been some issues regarding the migrant workers for example they openly discuss this issue with the relevant organizations and countries and they solved whatever uh, uh, issues were uh, at the time during the last five years or so. And uh, they are happy to discuss more uh, if they think that there is a relevant uh, topic in, in this sense to be discussed, but through the right channels and definitely not the, through the, the the media and uh, through uh, such uh, mechanisms. As for the other topic, I think that they, they openly said everyone is welcome to Qatar as long as they respect the law and the rules in the country, and this is quite something uh, normal. I mean, uh, uh, there shouldn't be sensitivity regarding this issue. I believe that everyone, as you said, will come to attend this big ceremony and uh, celebrate this big event. So this is the issue, and this is how they uh, at least feel it from this perspective
0: yeah because the uh, the lgbtq plus issue kind of exploded again with comments by the uh, the former Qatari footballer and football ambassador in in Germany uh, as you say it's it it's a it's a difficult issue, but
1: it's a con- controversial issue indeed, but they were clear that everyone is welcome they don't need to uh, issue specific declaration for every community. everyone is welcome to attend to Qatar as long as they respect its uh, law and uh, rule and I think that this is also something normal and in countries, in other countries for example there are other issues, in the US for example some states deprive or criminalize even the abortion as you may know, others are allowed so there is always a debate on this kind of issue but when it comes to this very specific topic in Qatar they said that everyone is welcome so this is their official stance and we at least hold them. what from what they are saying. And uh, it's always good to test whatever they say. So uh, they have been also saying, preaching from a distance is not a positive. So come and test uh, whatever the Qataris are saying.
0: Yes, uh, as you say, Ali, the Qatari position is, everyone is welcome. It'll be up to them to ensure uh, that that is so. And uh, preaching from a distance uh, is not a positive. Most of the criticism has come from Europe, not so much from elsewhere. But is there a sense in Qatar that this is an orchestrated campaign? And if so, who do the Qataris think is organizing it?
1: Yes, indeed. Actually, it's not from European countries, from some European countries and from some media outlets and platforms on those countries, mainly. Uh, UK, uh, France, and Germany, so they think that it is an orchestrated uh, campaign, uh, regardless of who stands behind them, but we have seen such events before uh, uh, being paid, being uh, lobbied and being uh, promoted by some Gulf countries, and uh, also some some of the lobbies in the West, they don't need any other countries to encourage them to attack. small countries that they think that should not host or not, you know, in a position to host a big event like the World Cup. And the Deputy Prime Minister and Minister of Foreign Affairs uh, highlighted this issue in specific when he said that uh, some countries reflect arrogance in this attitude and they cannot accept that countries like Qatar, small countries like Qatar host this big event. So I think that they're there are many issues behind this campaign. It is definitely orchestrated campaign. And it developed into something like disinformation. At the beginning, they said it is a kind of misinformation, but obviously it is disinformation campaign where it aims to alter the facts and they try to create a show or a scene to undermine and, and disrupt the, the World Cup in Doha.
0: Yeah, I saw a piece in Doha News that uh, was saying very clearly that the United Arab Emirates was behind uh, much of the disinformation and 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 indeed uh, the uae has formed doesn't it going back to 2017 and the embargo and the attack on on qatar the blockade rather on qatar
1: yeah there are presidents this kind of events and incidents show that things are not quite uh, well uh, under the table and uh, some players might have an interest to uh, support uh, such campaign against Qatar. And some of the Qataris, yes, believe that uh, UAE stands behind such campaign.
0: Mm, yeah. And there's, so there's still that tension, isn't there, between the uh, UAE and and Qatar, despite the fact that the uh, blockade has been resolved. Uh, one has a sense that the Qataris are getting along better with the Saudis than they are with the Emiratis. Would that be fair?
1: Yes, yes, but I, I, I believe that it's quite a complicated situation and uh, probably uh, things are open to change once the regional and, dynamic and international dynamics change also. We will have to wait and see a couple of years in order to judge whether this kind of the escalation will sustain or the uh, old uh, dynamics will, uh, will overcome uh, the current uh, situation and tension will rise again between the GCC countries or... Even between some regional countries and uh, you know uh, countries in the Gulf, yeah
0: but right now the mood in Doha is one of rising excitement as we're just a few days ahead of the uh, World Cup
1: exactly exactly everyone is, is is concentrating and focusing on this this big event and they want to show that they are capable and able to organize and execute such event on a global uh, level with great success. so uh, yeah, we are waiting. <laughs>
0: Now, something else that is already underway is COP27 at Sharm el-Sheikh. Now, many are doubtful that very much will be achieved, even as this climate crisis grows ever more severe. Qatar, of course, is a key global energy player and a provider. So what sort of presence are you expecting from the Qataris at COP27?
1: Uh, Yes, Bill. This is a very complicated uh, issue, as you know, and it cannot be overcome by an effort of one country or or a group of countries. All countries should participate in the efforts to counter the effect of uh, climate uh, change on the global level so qatar um, participating in this event as a part of its keenness to contribute to uh, international efforts to counter the negative effects of the uh, climate change i believe that um, uh, the qataris uh, attended this event on, on uh, a ministerial level probably minister of environmental and climate change Sheikh Al And uh, uh, I hear that uh, also Special Envoy of uh, Deputy uh, Minister and uh, Minister of Foreign Affairs for Climate Change and sustainability, His Excellency Badr Adafa, was also there. So uh, this reflects the kind of uh, interest, high interest in in Qatar to be involved in such event and uh, uh, participate effectively.
0: You know, it's interesting, Ali, because here there's been a lot of criticism that our current government and Rishi Sunak hasn't taken the the climate issue seriously enough, particularly after COP26 in, in Glasgow. But is it your sense that the government in the Qatar is taking on this issue in a, in a serious way?
1: Well, this is at least what they uh, reflect, whether from the, as I said, uh, level of participation or kind of statements or even actions on the ground concerning uh, World They said that there have been many initiatives concerning the climate change in relation with the World Cup, uh, and they executed uh, these initiatives efficiently and effectively. And they also are trying to promote some kind of renewable energy hubs. In the country and in the Gulf in general, so they are. They have. They have an agenda in this regard, and they are uh, progressing uh, in in a positive way, at least as they say. And of
0: course, Qatar and and the rest of of, of the Gulf and and the water, Middle East is really on the front lines of of climate change. You've been in Doha for a while. Are you noticing the climate shifting a bit?
1: Oh, of course, of course. It's not, it's not, it's, as I said, it's a global uh, issue. It's not related to certain country. uh, Indeed, many countries, they have been, uh, suffering from the negative effects of climate change. Uh, summer is becoming hotter and the winter is becoming uh, colder and uh, there is an urgent need for uh, uh, all countries to be part of a global agenda to counter uh, uh, the negative effects of climate change. And of course, Doha as a, a primary energy player and an active diplomatic player in the region also. And, and uh, on the international stage, it has an interest also to be active and play a uh, 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 at least an effective role in this regard.
0: Mm. Now, um, let us turn then to another big event uh, this week, Ali, which is the U.S. midterms. Big gains for the Republicans were expected. The pundits in the polls were were saying it was going to be a, a red wave for Donald Trump, but that red wave seems to have turned into a trickle. I'm just wondering how the results are likely to play out in the Gulf and in the wider Middle East.
1: Well, um, I I was following the issue yesterday, and I believe uh, competition is still tough and tight. But regardless of the outcome, this is an indicator of... Uh, how the presidential elections might play in the next two years. And this is where the uh, Gulf states are. Uh, I think that with the ascendance of uh, Biden to power in 2021, there have been a kind of de-escalation in the region and uh, more countries were reaching to other countries uh, trying to uh, normalize their relations, trying to uh, build on constructive agenda, try to cooperate and focus more on business and trade. And uh, this trend is continuing uh, throughout 2022, as I believe. However, there is question. there are questions regarding the sustainability of this trend. And if the current competition in the midterm elections uh, in the U.S. tend to be uh, an indicator that Trump or Trump-alike president will be coming back in 2024. I think that there is a great chance that uh, we witness a reverse uh, in this regional course. Also, we have been seeing some negative uh, indicators also uh, coming out from the region. The the reemergence of Netanyahu, for example, in the Israeli politics is is a negative sign. And uh, uh, we hope that we witness a rational choice in the U.S. in the coming two years. Because whatever happens in the U.S. Uh, has uh, really uh, deep and uh, profound impact uh, in the regional politics.
0: Yes, because there is now uncertainty, isn't there, about uh, the United States in in the Gulf? Uh, questions about which way it's headed, what its commitments are, and and that has uh, emerged somewhat uh, certainly in the uh, regards to the war in Ukraine. Is it is it your sense, though, that the Gulf states would welcome back a Trump? presidency should that happen uh,
1: given the the kind of personal strong relations between some of the gulf leaders in saudi arabia and uae with uh, trump and his circle i believe if he came back there they will definitely welcome his uh, coming back to the scene and uh, they will definitely have much better relation with him than the current relation with joe biden and we have seen for example the Uh, very humble and cold uh, reception of Joe Biden in Saudi Arabia. That would would not happen if if he has been Trump, for example. So I think that if Trump, trump like president, uh, will be coming uh, in the next two years, then this will definitely leave impact on the Gulf politics and in the region. And and, uh, some of the leaders uh, might probably be encouraged by his comeback to take more unbalanced actions, let's say, in the region. But this is just speculations, of course, and we have to wait and see how things will develop in the coming two years.
0: Yes, wait and see, I'm just thinking too, of, of when the blockade first emerged, Trump immediately jumped in against Qatar. He subsequently withdrew that position and, and, and came around to seeing that Qatar was the victim in the blockade. Uh, but uh, he has had influence in the region, certainly.
1: Yeah, and then this also uh, so, uh, this also had an impact on the American politics itself. And we have seen a division in the U.S. administration. And this division created a uh, uh, kind of confusion in the region on how the U.S. will be moving on critical and certain issues.
0: While we're on the subject of elections, President Erdogan will face his voters in 2023. Do you think the uh, Turkish electorate will appreciate his foreign efforts? I'm thinking primarily of the Ukraine-Russia war and his efforts to keep the grain moving, but also relationship building with the Saudis and some of the other Gulf states. How do you think that's being seen in, in Turkey by the by the voters that he has to turn to? Uh,
1: yes, the Turkish public uh, definitely appreciates uh, those initiatives by uh, President Erdogan, as well as other initiatives related to, for example, Uh, defense industry and uh, automobile industry and other initiatives that he has been uh, actively promoted during the last few months. However, the the most important topics to the Turkish public, in my opinion, are related to the economic and financial situation. Uh, during the last few years, the public had been under tremendous pressure when it comes to the economic and financial situation. And I think that uh, this public will decide on the fate of the uh, next elections depending on the economic situation in the country. Now, in the last few months, uh, according to the recent polls, uh, President Erdogan and his party has been gaining some uh, points uh, which is something good in their opinion so uh, but we have to to, we have still I mean uh, there is like eight months till the elections and uh, everything is possible I think that uh, this election will be very critical and uh, the way the opposition will act will largely decide the fate of the winner Besides, of course, the economic and financial situation in Turkey, the opposition is quite still fragmented, in my opinion, and they didn't declare yet their nominees, and they don't seem to have a unified strategy, which is the only way to defeat President Erdogan. So, uh, I think that he's, he's advancing, but like I said, there is still like eight months and everything is possible to that time.
0: And as you say, it's the economy that, that counts, isn't it? Yes. That's the story in, 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 in every country that is holding elections, as people look at the economy. And, and the economy in, in Turkey is, is struggling, as it is elsewhere. Definitely. But, but a big area of contention right now is between Egypt and Turkey and in the Eastern Med over offshore gas and oil. A deal has been signed. They're the one signed a deal with Libya's Tripoli-based GNU, Government and National Unity, uh, very much annoying the Egyptians, as well as Greece and other players. It is a high-stakes game that President Erdogan is playing. Do you think he can win it?
1: When it comes to Libya, the situation is quite uh, complex and uh, it's not about the recent deals that uh, Turkey signed with the uh, AAA-based uh, government, but it's more about how they move forward in the political uh, equation. because. As you know, Egypt, in particular, uh, backed for years uh, with the support, of course, of uh, countries like France, Russia, UAE, Saudi Arabia. Uh, warlord uh, Khalifa Haftar to take over the, the power in, in Libya by force and uh, they, they staged a military coup and they failed to take, because, uh, to take power because of the Turkish support to the uh, United Nations recognized uh, government at the time in Tripoli. Most recently, also Egypt apparently tried again, but uh, in different tools this time. And uh, when they failed again, uh, they became furious and they tried to uh, pin their their failure on Turkey by attacking the Turkey tripoli based uh, uh, government uh, deals and agreements. There is nothing new in this story. These agreements are not uh, new, in fact, they are tied to 2019 agreements between Turkey and Tripoli-based UN-recognized uh, government. They are uh, an executive uh, agreement, so nothing new in this sense. But the way Egypt reacted shows that Egypt is in a deep trouble currently and although its uh, interest in the Eastern Mediterranean lies exactly with Turkey and Libya, Egypt referred to Uh, make an agreement with Greece uh, which will make it lose more territorial uh, waters to uh, Greece. Uh, I think that uh, they did this because the Egyptians think in order to have financial support from the european union from the u.s they have to be on good terms with with the greece i mean the spoiled kid of the eu so this is the only way for them to uh, overcome their uh, internal economic problem and they think that by adhering to greece all the time they might convince the eu that they are a good player that will protect their interests, and they need also to get something in return and in this case to get some loans and hot money to help the egyptian Falling economy to stand up again, or to at least sustain. So I think that this is the whole thing. It's not about the Turkey uh, signed uh, some couple agreements lately. It's, it's it's more than that. It's related to Egypt's attempts to control Libya and uh, Egypt's internal uh, falling economy and uh, the, the options that they need to take in order to uh, avoid failed state scenario.
0: Mm-hmm. Now, just finally, Ali, uh, Vladimir Putin's failures in Ukraine have damaged his status in the region. But what about President Erdogan? How is his stature in the Middle East and North Africa faring, do you think?
1: When it comes to to Putin, uh, yes, for sure. I mean, mean, uh, since day one and since he decided to enter Ukraine, it was obvious that it will not be an easy task. And he obviously failed during the first 10 days of the military campaign. So he's now in a kind of dilemma. He cannot uh, withdraw without uh, declaring victory and uh, taking uh, some of the Ukrainian lands. and uh, subordinating them and he cannot also continue because though he doesn't have the capacity i mean military wise to continue and it uh, will be dragged in uh, a war of attrition so it, it's, it's quite a difficult position for him as for for uh, turkey uh it made a good use of this war, by trying to promote uh, peaceful resolutions, by trying to sustain some of the initiatives that are uh, very crucial to the globe, uh, such as the grains deal between Ukraine and Russia, and uh, also Turkey's uh, role and uh, power in the region, I mean, is in a, a positive trend. Uh, and uh, this has been the situation before when when Turkey... Uh, banked mainly on uh, soft power till the Arab uh, Arab uprising in 2011, then shifted to hard power starting 2015 till 2020. It also gained popularity in the region. We are talking about the public, of course, and not the governments. And now shifting back again to soft power, it seems that they are quite uh, good uh, players in terms of taking the attention of the public and most uh, of the recent polls also shows that Turkey is still favorable to the public in the uh, Arab and Middle Eastern regions in terms of foreign policy and uh, Erdogan in personal also, in person. So I think that, uh, yeah, uh, they are able to to, uh, maintain their positive uh, image in the region.
0: That's interesting. You're saying that through a mix of hard and soft power that Erdogan, you feel it's used pretty adroitly, Turkey's position remains quite strong.
1: Exactly, yes.
0: And do you think that'll remain the case, or or do you see some cracks appearing, perhaps uh, given the economic situation in in Turkey itself and and the damage that could do to the other one?
1: Well, when, it, when I was talking about the uh, public perception of Turkey's role and position in the region, uh, so from this perspective, uh, they maintain positive perception. But when it comes to Turkey's ability to sustain its power it's very obvious that at certain point they felt out that they are overstretched in the region and they need also to cash in all the military gains in, 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 in Syria, in Libya, in Nagorno Karabakh and else in the Eastern Mediterranean in, in political shape or kind of a political package, so they shifted to uh, soft power again, and uh, this was a sign that uh, economy also plays an important role in deciding whether they can uh, continue banking on hard power or they have to shift to soft power in order to cash in those those gains and try to contain any fallout or. Uh, any possible uh, uh, retreat uh, in in terms of the military performance or diplomatic performance and initiatives too.
0: So Turkey is in for the long term in Libya, do you think?
1: I think yes, and I think uh, uh, Tripoli in particular is a red line for Turkey because Turkey invested a lot in uh, defending Tripoli in Uh, also trying to move on with the political process to stabilize uh, Libya Uh, of course it has an interest also uh, in the country itself and this interest is not new it's uh, decades old of bilateral uh, relations economic relations uh, social relations and Ankara is quite keen to sustain those relations and interests. And I think that this position also will not change much even if the government in Turkey is changed. Some of the topics related to foreign policy are uh, set to uh, continue in the same way that have been witnessing right now, although in the foreign media they have been framing the issue as if it is personally related to Erdogan, but in fact uh, it is not. It is it is related to the Turkish public and uh, to the interests of Turkey as a country and not to the uh, uh, leader of this party or that party in particular.
0: And Turkey remains a very strong supporter of Qatar.
1: Yes, I think that this uh, alliance will, will sustain and it's uh, uh, growing further. I think that Following the uh, end of the 2017 crisis, uh, both parties right now are relaxed, uh, kind of because they were alerted during the, the crisis. Now they are relaxed. Everyone is focusing on his priorities. Qatar is very much occupied with the World Cup, and Turkey is trying also to uh, gain uh, more political gains when it comes to its foreign policy initiatives. And uh, uh, I think that this kind of alliance uh, is there to stay uh, on the long run and uh, we will probably witness more uh, effective Turkish role in the Gulf security in the future.
0: Well, uh, Turkey didn't make it to the World Cup, but uh, of course Qatar as host it did. Uh, Are you going to go to any games?
1: Uh, yes, most probably, yes. I, I have a ticket right now to Belgium and Morocco, uh, but uh, maybe we'll go to others also. So let's see.
0: Well, in- enjoy the occasion. And Ali, thank you so much for talking to me. Th-
1: thank you very much for you, Bill. Always a pleasure to be with you.
0: You've been listening to the Herb Digest podcast. My guest today was Dr. Ali Bakir, a research assistant professor at the Ibn Khaldun Center for Humanities and Social Sciences, at Qatar University in Doha. We welcome your comments. It's been two years since we launched, and in that time the podcasts have been listened to more than 100,000 times in countries right around the world. So, a big thanks to all our listeners, and if you're a first-timer, check out our podcast library on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud, Amazon Music, or other platforms. In addition to our podcasts, the Arab Digest daily newsletter features the very best Of Middle East and North Africa analysts, analysts like Ali. If you'd like a free trial to the newsletter, simply go to ArabDigest.org. And if you enjoy what you find and want to join the club after your trial period has ended, we're offering special rates to students, academics, and retirees, and subscriptions are now available to university libraries. If you are a student or academic, check if your university library has an Arab Digest subscription. If so, you can access the digest for free. And if not, Ask for your library to consider getting one. Check us out on ArabDigest.org and follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and LinkedIn. I'm William Law, editor of the Arab Digest, essential reading from independent sources.